Hello and welcome in to another episode of the Esports Network podcast in partnership with Reuters. As always, I'm your host, Mitch Reams, and today we're talking sizzle.gg. To do that, I have the CEO, VJ Kaduri, and the CMO, Daniel Yu. VJ, Daniel, thanks for joining the show. Thanks so much for having us, Mitch. Really excited to be here. Yeah, happy to join you. Really excited to talk with them. Esports Network and Sizzle have just partnered to bring the company into the Esports Network homepage. And what that means is a little widget for the top clips from all streamers. That's what Sizzle is. That's what they deliver. The site right now features League of Legends and Fortnite, but expansion into more games is definitely coming soon. And it gets integrated into websites so you can just get the top clips, almost like a sports center, top 10 highlights. And it's also live on sizzle.gg if you want to just look at all the top clips and all their full screen glory. So right now, I want to start with an elevator pitch. For our listeners, what's the 30-second explanation of why they should add Sizzle to their bookmark bar right now? Sure. Uh, thanks, Mitch. So at Sizzle, we're really building the sports center of gaming. We're, granted, we're in the very early stages, but what we're doing is we're taking these 10-hour streams you know, from the really top streamers, and we're saying, can we bring you the 20 minutes of highlights? And so, you know, we are building AI to detect all of the action, the funny, the cool moments, and to summarize those for you within 20 minutes. And the cool part about Sizzle is, you know, we can break down the highlights uh, based on the user preferences. So if you want to see just the funny moments, we can give you that, Mitch. If Daniel wants to see the action moments, we can give him that. So it's really like a personalized sports center for gaming fans. And it's really important to have that AI take over to comb through all of these clips because it's just untenable to expect somebody to go through the entire, all the different streams going on at once to catch all the highlights. So let's talk about that AI a little bit. How did you develop the artificial intelligence that can catch those highlights? And what's the AI looking for so that it snags different clips uh, as they happen? Yeah, great question. So there's really three parts to our AI. There's video, audio, and chat. Now, we, are, we don't have access to the streamer's computer. We're only looking at the Twitch stream if they're streaming on Twitch or the YouTube stream if they're streaming on YouTube. So that's what we're accessing. And so we don't have actual input from you know the game moments themselves. We have to decipher those moments from the VOD of the live stream. So on the video side, on the first point, what we're looking for is, you know, is there action happening? You know, are there multiple people on screen? Or is there a kill going on? Is, you know, what is, what is the, the, the video telling us? Is there gunfire, the guns out, uh, things like that. So we're trying to game by game, you know, uh, each game is different. We're looking for different things, but we capture a lot of that on video. In terms of the audio, you know, we're also listening to and analyzing both what the streamer is saying and also the background sounds. So, you know, what the streamer is saying, you know, sometimes they get excited. If their voice goes way up, oh my God, this is amazing. Yeah, of course we're going to capture that. And, you know, we're going to label that as a streamer excited moment. Um, but even when they may be quiet, there's a lot of background sounds that are happening, uh, whether that's gunfire or other sounds. And, Game by game, we're in the process of indexing all of those different sounds so we know what's happening when. You know, for instance, there may not be a kill on screen, but if there's 20 seconds of gunfire, 
that's probably a battle scene. And so we know that. And, you know, we have algorithms to figure out whether that should make the highlights cut or not. And then the third piece of it is really the chat analysis. You know, there, certainly the audience gets excited um, by a lot of moments. And, you know, we want to make sure we capture that. Now, we do have to be pretty picky because, you know, gaming audiences are notoriously, um, you know, they get excitable by a lot of different things. You know, if there's a giveaway on screen, which really isn't related to, to gameplay, chat's going to go crazy. Uh, or sometimes if the streamer is taking a bathroom break, you know, chat has nothing else to do, so they go crazy. So, you know, we have some algorithms to filter out those sort of what we call false positives in the AI world. But um, but then we can we can filter that down to the really exciting moments when there's something really funny or cool happening, uh, and we can decipher the you know all the ch uh, the chat traffic and figure those moments out. So these really these three things give us the the sort of input of what moments we should take, and then based on that we'll figure out not only uh, a default highlight reel, but we'll also categorize those moments so that you know like I said before, if certain people only want to see funny or cool or action, we can give different people different moments. Definitely, that's really unique, and it helps to have that because there's different things people are looking for as they watch Twitch. Some people watch Twitch for the funny moments. Some people watch it for the really high level gameplay. Some people watch it just to, to relax. And so having those different ways, ways to customize the highlights you're delivered is really cool. Daniel, from your perspective, as you look at all the different ways of capturing action and having the AI trigger for different games, games are so wildly different. And Fortnite and League of Legends, the two you started with, are about as different as, as major esports video games get. What were the different challenges for each of the two games in creating these, what I have to imagine was very different interfaces uh, to make sure that they were compiling the right highlights? Yeah, so yeah, the fact that there are two different genres, you know, that alone made this uh, very, you know, very difficult for us. So I'm starting off with Fortnite and then into League of Legends. Um, so, you know, so one of the biggest challenges within esports is, and, and you're probably aware of this, is from genre to genre, and even from game to game. Like for example, your league, your League of Legends, your average League of Legends gamer is very different from your average Dota player, even though the two games are, are very similar. So we're trying to find those granular differences, not only in the way that, you know, the, in the ways that we want to show the highlights. For example, does just, just showing the kill make sense, or do we want to show? You know, maybe the, the the funnier moments for for some of the more casual games for, you know, maybe like for a Fortnite compared to Call of Duty. You know, deciding on what types of highlights to show. You know, that's been a pretty big challenge, but for, for, you know, for us. But as as we uh, you know improve our algorithm and as we add more games, um, our algorithm should do a better job in detecting you know, what, what people like, because one, one pretty big savior for us is the chat, you know, you know, unfortunately chat, ha chat is pretty, pretty wild in terms of, of, of their responses. But when you have, you know, thousands of, of data points from chat, you know, it becomes fairly predictable, surprisingly not, you know, because when you're limited to just a few number of emotes, um, you actually get some really, really quality data, um, even just from a, a single spam of like Among Us or, or Kappa surprisingly so so you know it's really cool every day you know we're learning these new things as we process all this data and um yeah it's just one challenge that we figured out was 
you know, the, uh, the different types of audiences and the different types of highlights that we have to create based on genre and, and game type as well, too. So it's been, it's been a, a rough journey so far, but very rewarding as we learn more and more. And, um, you know, once we have more games out, I think that's our biggest priority right now. Um, I think we're going to, yeah, we're going to see some really cool things happening. Definitely want to talk to you about some of those other games, some of the the plans for the company in the future. But I'm really curious about the emote aspect, because right when you said emotes, I was like, oh, yeah, if you just look for Monk S, you're finding a lot of great moments. I'm also thinking like high YouTube for people that like to post their streams over on on their YouTube channel. I'm always watching. I watch a lot more YouTube VODs than I watch live Twitch streams. Mm -hmm. And that's generally always a great example of, oh, something crazy just happened. Because Twitch wants to let you know, hey, I was watching this live, and I'm sure this streamer is going to put it on YouTube. So I feel like there's that like subset of things you could just mark down, and it'll almost always mark some really cool moment. Right. So what's what's really cool about Twitch is like, um, you know, the fact that there are a few emotes. But one of the other big challenges with Twitch is, you know, Twitch Twitch has a personality. Twitch is sarcastic. Certainly. Uh, Twitch can be rude sometimes. So sometimes, you know, how how do we analyze those moments? So, you know, there are times where, where Twitch chat is, is spamming ironically. And that, that, you know, that's another challenge for us. Like, you know, the complete opposite of what we think would be happening is, is actually happening. So, you know, how do we detect uh, those type of like sarcasm, those, 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 uh, you know, the, the ironic uh, responses. So, you know, Twitch chat, uh, ba you know, based on its uh, wild, of wild uh, variety of emotional levels it's been it's been a challenge but it's been it's been fun you know trying to pick at their brains trying to see what they're trying to pull off or what kind of message they're trying to convey to the uh to the streamer so so yeah it's a it's it's pretty funny it's funny and fun yeah and to your point it's even there's different communities of different games way different gamers but even within different streaming channels mm -hmm. uh what somebody in tyler one's chat <laughs> versus somebody in double lifts chat they right. may be saying monk s to different things that's that's the, that's the thing there are just certain outliers within streamers that you know we have to take extra precautions so like you know the top two that comes to mind is you know lol tyler one and dr disrespect so we actually have to do some a little bit of tweaking of algorithm because these guys are just you know so much more vocal so much more active uh than your average streamer because like, let's say, let's say we compare him to someone like Booga, you know, he'll get 20 kills in a row and not react to it. Whereas in <laughs> Dr. Disrespect, we'll get a single kill and he explodes. So, you know, we kind of have to understand the context behind the personality of the streamer too. So, so yeah, that's uh yeah, that's another unique challenge that, that we're dealing with, but it's also, you know, really, really fun trying to understand the, the different behavior types by by streams. Yeah, VJ, from a technical perspective, is that something that you feel like you can get to just using AI? Or is there always going to be need for some sort of human oversight as there's just so many different factors going in? Or do you think eventually you can really automate this and it'll be able to differentiate by streamer community, by moment, by game, uh, all automated? Yeah, no, that's a great question. So our goal is to definitely automate everything you know, uh, obviously in the early stages, we do a lot of human checking to verify and tweak things and tweak our algorithms to get them to the point where they can be automated. But even in terms of things like chat, for instance, um, 
like Daniel was was hinting at, there is no one universal algorithm that will work with every streamer. So our real focus is uh, to get the best streamers on Sizzle, to get their content. And, you know, for each of those streamers, we have to have slightly different algorithms to get at the best moments for those streamers. So it's not like, you know, it's just one simple AI code that's um, the universal answer here. There is a lot of heavy lifting for each streamer. And, um, you know, our real focus is the top 1,000 streamers on Twitch and YouTube. Like we think, you know, we've done a lot of the analysis and, you know, that's where a majority of viewers are. They want to see the best of the best play. And so so it's it's a completely doable problem in terms of looking at the top 1,000 streamers and looking also at the top 10 to 20 games. You know, even at full capacity, we don't anticipate going beyond, say, the top 20 games on Twitch um, because, you know, that's where most of the people are watching. You know, to give you a sports analogy, when you turn on SportsCenter, you get, you know, maybe the top four American sports, maybe a little bit of tennis and golf. That's about it. You know, you rarely see something on lacrosse or something on, on the smaller sports. And uh, and we think that, you know, it's maybe not six games, maybe it's, it's a dozen games at the most around 15 or 20, but uh, it's an entirely doable problem when you talk about 20 games and a thousand streamers to have slightly different versions of everything, but to have everything completely automated so that pretty much, um, you know, within an hour of, let's say the VOD is out, um, you know, our goal is to have the highlights on Sizzle. So, and they would be personalized. So every fan can slice and dice the stream however they want to. Definitely. It's, a, it's incredibly interesting to think about how you can comb through all these highlights and then deliver and fill that need like SportsCenter does for the, for the average sports fan. It feels like they always take like number nine in the top 10 is that random yeah. sport. It's like their honorary, oh, here's a cricket highlight or here's a here's a lacrosse highlight. We'll put it right there at nine. Yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, uh, you know, whether you get that, you know, lacrosse moment or cricket moment or or bowling moment even in, in Sports Center. I mean, I think that's a nice touch for the audience. Uh, and at some point I think we will get there. You know, once we get, say, the top twenty games uh done, you know, our audience will be asking for for those type of number nine moments. So for right now, our focus is to, you know, we're at two. We'll be launching two more very soon, which I'm very excited about. And then, um, you know, our goal is to get to those top 10 and then top 20 games. But at some point, you're right. We want to have those number nine moments and, and we'll throw in a few sprinklers from here and there. How are you prioritizing which games you want to integrate first onto the platform? Yeah, so um, we're really prioritizing based on the popularity of the game. You know, uh, right now, for instance, um, Valorant, of course, is, is super popular and same with Call of Duty Warzone. So those are our next two games. And uh, I don't want to, you know, pre-announce anything before it's ready, but it's it's fair to say we're definitely working on those and we'll have those out fairly soon. Um, and so I'm really excited about that. And, you know, when you look at the numbers just between the four that we will have very soon, uh, Fortnite League. Valorant and, and Warzone, you're talking about, you know, 35, 40% of Twitch traffic is, is those four games themselves. So we're really going after, you know, how can we get uh, to a majority of tr Twitch traffic? So Sizzle is relevant to, you know, a vast majority of fans and as many of the top 1,000 streamers as we can so that uh, we can build a great viewing experience. 
is it fair to say that it gets easier the more games you add on you could take in lessons so adding in warzone you've already got fortnite you've already coded for some stuff that's only true to a battle royale does it get easier and easier as more games get on the platform to add in even more yeah absolutely and and it's it gets easier almost by an order of magnitude you know the first two games that we've done as you correctly pointed you know we've had to look for different things and um you know in the process we built up our capabilities our building blocks really on the video side on the audio side and the chat side and now that we have pretty good building blocks you know we still need to do a little bit of fine tuning for sure but the building blocks are are pretty set and now with those building blocks it's almost like you can rearrange things just a little bit differently for each game there's always going to be a new brick that you you'll have to figure out you know a few new blocks but to a large extent you have those building blocks there that you can then reuse especially when you look at the ai on the audio and the chat it's surprisingly similar from game to game um you know streamers get excited and you know they get louder and or we can tell based on um speech to text that we do when they're getting excited uh, and that's pretty similar from game to game you know audience whether it's the text that they type or the emotes or what have you in the chat that's pretty similar so the only thing that's really different is is some of the stuff on the video and even then some of the things like detecting multiple people on screen for instance that's the same from game to game so it's really now that we have the building blocks when we look at a new game 70 to 80% of the work is already done and we only have to add a few more blocks to get each game out So once we get Valorant and Warzone out, we're pretty excited because we think we can get to, you know, the top 10 games pretty fast. Definitely. You once you hit those different aspects, you've got your MOBA, you've got your Battle Royale, you've got your first person shooter for Valorant. You've really hit the three major genres. Beyond that, I guess Rocket League isn't even that popular on Twitch necessarily. So it, and then you've got like card games as well. So you've really knocked out most of the heavy lifting to this point already with your first few titles and a large credit of that just starts by going with Fortnite and League of Legends to start with get the two hardest ones out of the way uh and then let things build from there. Yeah, for sure. And and then maybe Daniel can talk a little bit more about some of the strategy and card games, but that's where I think it's going to be a little bit harder for us, you know, it's hard to know when the right cut in a in a strategy game is or when the right moment to cut in and out of a card game but but Daniel do you you know he Daniel used to be a professional Hearthstone player so he can talk for hours about this yeah so like you know i have a huge bias towards card games but um you know in terms of you know watching condensed clips like you know some of the questions are we uh, we're asking to ourselves is you know does it make sense to create highlights uh, within a card game right and if it were uh you know what do we want to show because it's uh you know it's much easier with games like MOBA or first person shooters or battle royales right just look for the action scenes look for the kills the deaths but for card games uh one of the biggest um challenges is um you have to understand the context of the entire game right you can't just kind of skip to to turn 3 or turn 4 and um you know you know assume that the the viewer understand what happened previous to that so you know we're we're trying to get there you know i think i think uh the next genre we want to at least attempt is the card uh the ccg um 
the CCG area. So um, hopefully we can get there. You know, we'll we'll be talk talking to a ton of ton of card game players, see what they do, uh, see what they want to see, and maybe we can, you know, try to create uh, highlights for some of these card games because, you know, that's something that I would I personally would would love to see. You know, uh, for example, like I I play uh, Legends of Runeterra pretty pretty competitively, and like one one service that I could see us providing is um, maybe. Um, separating some of these highlights based on deck types or certain decks so for example this would be an educational uh, purpose but let's say you want to learn how to play uh, the control decks then you know what we could do is maybe show you all the gameplay for that type of um, archetype so you know we're, we're we're still thinking of ways to do it but yes yeah, ccg definitely has been more of a challenge than let's say moba or first person shooters yeah, it's really tough. And the listeners of this podcast will know that my background is in Hearthstone as awesome. well. I played in college for our college team. Just narrowly missed the TESPA uh, bracket <laughs> awesome. championships. But I love the game. And I agree, it's not really conducive to cut highlights. Mm-hmm. I've been playing a lot of auto battlers, like so many people who transitioned out of card games recently. Right. And I'll see Dog post a video where it's like insane Murloc transition. And my brain's like, oh, skip forward to the murloc moment but you can't do it without getting the proper the cadence of the game i suppose up until that point it just doesn't quite hit properly as you think through his thought process and you see him realizing what he wants to do and so i think card game people from what i've talked to have a very different thing they're looking for as they watch youtube videos as they watch twitch clips it's a lot of the strategy thing and it's really hard to boil that down into 30 seconds because the decisions are evolving over the course of 10 to 15 minutes and mm-hmm. over a, a lifetime of playing strategy games in the first place. So that's a very difficult challenge. I'll be interested to see how you end up solving it in the future. Right. And I think it's also the nature of CCG. So, you know, your average CCG gamer is probably your your older, you know, type of gamer, right? Maybe in the 30s, someone who's played Magic the Gathering, you know, when they were a teenager or something. So you know, the type of highlights that they want to see are maybe not so much the the flashy, big plays like a, like a turn four Hellfire that just completely wipes the board. You know, maybe they want to see some of the, the more strategical decisions that, you know, they they perhaps can learn from. So, you know, that's the type of content that we want to show. Like, for example, you know, in Battlegrounds, you know, like you said, you know, when you watch a dog clip, all you see is the, the cool, flashy, the flashy plays. But how about how did he transition to that late game stage? You know, some that's those are the the answers that a lot of CCG gamers are looking for. So, so yeah, those are those are the questions we're asking and we're we're hoping to solve. Is you know who who is our target audience and and what and what do they want to see? You know, what type of content do they want to see? Is it the flashy stuff or maybe it's the uh, the educational stuff or it's maybe it's just the the funny stuff? So those are the yeah those are the the answers we're digging for. You know, when you look at what the audience wants, and we talk to a lot of users and and, and gamers, it's surprising, you know, what they tell you. You know, for instance, you know, even on Fortnite, you know, when we asked, hey, do you want to see just the kills, the funny moments? You know, we got a couple of responses where, you know, someone said, look, I just want to watch the last four or five minutes of of the match. Uh, That's when all the action is, the important action. So just give me that. And uh, or, you know, other people say that the more casual viewers, they say that, you know, they're following a streamer 
And, you know, they're not watching so much the action of the game, but they're, they want to get all the moments when the streamer is talking because they're attached to that personality. And so these are things that are actually very easy for us to do because, you know, for instance, on the game front, our AI figures out the start and end of each match within a stream. And so playing the last five minutes is not a problem for us. And also the way we architected this, I think, is really unique. Um, you know, the way we deliver the highlights, we don't actually burn a new video file. What we do instead is we point back to Twitch or YouTube at those specific timestamps. So the advantage of that is we can serve up different timestamps to different people. So if someone wants to see just the last five minutes of every match on a stream, we can serve them those timestamps. And just basically what's happening is even though they come to Sizzle to watch it, at Sizzle, we're pointing back to Twitch. And this is what allows us to basically embed even the best content on Twitch and sort of personalize it for the users. And so going back to the card game um, analysis that, that, that Daniel was talking about, you never know, even in card games, if you know, they want to see the opening uh, and they want to see the first five minutes of how you know, do people start off. You know, we could show them that or the last five minutes uh, or what have you uh, or the different turns. So there might be a lot of different things that we could show people even without too much AI because of our uh, the way we've architected our platform. Definitely, yeah, and that'll all come. It's a lot of it's trial and error, I assume, just in figuring out what works, what people are looking for from these different audiences. Uh, so I want to be conscious of your time, and I have a couple more questions, actually one for each of you. BJ, I have a question that I love to ask anybody who's just launched a new technology-based product, and that's what was one thing as you were developing this product that it was an issue that you did no idea was going to pop up as you were under process, and it came up uh, before launch at some point, and then how you handled it to get the product launch. There has to be something. Can you think of anything that comes to mind as one issue that you overcame? It's it's that's like asking me my day to day life. I mean that stuff shows up every day. You know this is the this is the um, this is the challenge with 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 the startup. But but I think you know um, one of the biggest challenges with the startup is fundraising. So you know we've uh, we've raised um, a, our seed funding round, and uh, it's it's interesting what what goes into that. You know uh, this is my first time raising. Funding, you know, I've been in the tech industry for a long time, but I've never done a VC-backed um, venture capital-backed startup before. And you know, first you you meet investors, and they say, "Oh, come come back with a prototype." You know, so you build a prototype, and then you go back to the investors, and they're like, "Yeah, but you know, come back, show me evidence that users really want this." So you go back and you show all your survey results and you show them that users want this. And they're like, no, I need to see real traction. And it's like, no matter what step you get to, they're like, you know, you need to have three more steps in your pocket before I give you any money. And at some point, you know, you need the money to actually build a product. Now, we got lucky because one of, uh, you know, our third co-founder, Murley, he's um, a really great coder and he's built our entire offering. But we've really been able to get on fast forward once we raised the money and we were able to hire an engineering team, as any startup would. But, you know, I, I think the, the process of fundraising, uh, to me, has been surprisingly difficult. Um, but, you know, in hindsight, it's probably a good process because it forces you to, to make a lot of progress pretty quickly. 
uh, in order to get that funding. I've heard founders talk about how it's one of the most important aspects as you get every single aspect of your company analyzed being open to what they are saying. Of course, some people might not just get the mission, but ultimately you're going to get a lot of feedback in that time that is very valuable for the growth of, of the company in the, in the long run. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, it's amazing. You talk to a bunch of different investors and, you know, they all have different viewpoints. So at some point you're like, wait a second, you know, it's my vision that has to move this forward. I can't just blindly listen to what investors say. You know, if they want to put money and they're, they want to kind of uh, go along the ride for my vision, then that's great. But I can't fundamentally change what I do just to please them. You know, at the same time, you know, if, if you get a really great investor that's also a mentor and they agree with their vision, but they have positive, you know, suggestions and feedback, you, of course, got to take that and tweak your approach a little bit. So it's that fine line of um, knowing the kind of advice and knowing the path to take uh, to, to keep yourself moving forward. Definitely. And so, Daniel, to wrap up with you, I was curious the platform is so based around streamers and their different channels, their different communities. Do you have relationships with the different streamers that are featured? I know you're just taking their VODs, so it's public already and it's all credited appropriately. Uh, but how are those relationships as you use stuff that comes from streamers? Do you have contact with these streamers? And then as the site grows, as more and more traffic, do you hope to have a relationship with streamers where they see how it's mutually beneficial uh, for their clips to be appearing on Sizzle, and Sizzle gets clips directly from the streamers, possibly? Yes. So uh, we, we plan on eventually partnering up with um, the you know most of the featured streamers on our sites, and we already have one. So for example, uh, we have a mid-range-sized YouTuber named Higsey, who also ran a... We also sponsored uh, one of his uh, tournaments as well, too, that got about... 3,000 participants. So our whole marketing strategy is actually to, to spend that money on content creators. So not only are we spending our marketing budgets to, you know, to kind of work, work mutually, because like one of our, 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 our longer term vision goal is to, to really grow esports. So, you know, rather than spending all the money on Google or, or Facebook, you know, we, we kind of want to help out esports kind of accelerate to the next level. And I think one way to do it is, you know, it's kind of a collective thing, you know, um, companies collectively should be working with some of these content creators to get them the users and, and, you know, provide them a living. And that's, that's kind of what we want to do, you know, make this almost like a mutual relationship where, Hey, let, you know, you give us the eyeball and, and, and we'll give you back, you know, you know, um, the same thing. We'll give you content as well too. We can work together and and, and run tournaments or or giveaways. So ultimately, we kind of want to make this a mutual thing and 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 ultimately make it our our primary acquisition tool as well too to get to get our users. So yeah, it's a combination of of working with them and and, and partnering with them and and creating content with them as well too. Yeah, and just to add to that, you know, I think that you, you re really raise a good point, Mitch, about, you know, streamers and getting them involved with Sizzle. You know, we right now we work with the Twitch embed player and the YouTube embed player. So just like there's millions of sites out there that embed content from Twitch and YouTube, we're one of those sites that's embedding, you know, specific moments on Twitch VODs and on YouTube VODs. 
So, you know, we don't need to approach each streamer per se, but we'd like to. So, so right now, you know, we're ideally giving them more traffic uh, and we point each of our highlights to the full stream. So we have an option where, you know, the fan can click on view full stream and it'll take them to Twitch or take them to YouTube so the fan can actually watch the entire bot. But what we'd like to do is also work with that streamer and even potentially, you know, help them monetize. So right now we're not blocking any ads from Twitch and YouTube. So anything that people see on, on Sizzle is already monetized for the streamer because, you know, whatever ads come through from Twitch and YouTube, it's a pass through. So the streamer is already making money off that. But in addition, you know, should the streamer want to do special content for us and monetize their highlights more, then we'd be happy to do that because then, you know, whether it's, you know, uh, fans wanting to, you know, you know seeing a pre-roll ad or something before like that, and then we could, we'd be more than happy to share that kind of revenue with streamers. So it's really an open invitation that we have for not only streamers, but for esports teams and leagues and tournaments to come work with us. And, you know, we will, you know, make highlights of all your tournaments and your streams and we'll personalize it for, um, you know, all of your fans. And, uh, you know, should you want to monetize it even further, then we're happy to work with you on that. Absolutely. And as the site grows, I'm sure that'll be an enticing offer for a lot of streamers is it really does feel mutually beneficial in quite a few ways uh expanding it's really hard to be discovered on twitch and when you jump into a twitch stream you don't usually get a great example of the best moment on that stream and so having a place where you can see all the top moments and if you consistently enjoy one streamer's moments that's a good streamer to go check out their channel probably watch them live because you'll probably enjoy quite a bit of the stream so it's a product that doesn't really exist out there and it's a good one to have because I'm sure a lot of gamers will appreciate this. Sports Center was obviously very successful. Let's do it for gaming as well. Absolutely. I love it. Well, thank you both for joining the show. It was great talking to you. Can you plug Sizzle again? So it's on the Esports Network homepage. Go check out our website. If it's not already in your bookmark bar, I don't know where you've been at. But it's up there on the website, top right corner, and then also check out sizzle.gg. But I want to roll out for you guys. Is there socials you want people to follow, uh, different things to be on the lookout for, anything else you want to promote about Sizzle? Yeah, no, uh, you said it, Mitch. You know, thanks so much for having us. You know, this partnership with Esports Network has been really great. We're really excited. As Mitch said, definitely, if you're listening to this, go check us out, um, both on Esports Network and on sizzle.gg. You know, sign up for our Discord. We want to hear from you. And, uh, and certainly once you go to our site, you can sign up for our Twitter and other socials as well. Um, but we do want to hear from you as we're building this. So we kind of build it this the way we want to. And, uh, you know, when you go and sign up for a user account, you know, you have the option of personalizing your sizzle experience. So, you know, based on the games that you like, the streamers that you like, when you come to sizzle.gg and have that signed in experience, we will have sort of your favorite streamers and your favorite types of moments, whether it's funny or action, et cetera. So definitely come check us out and uh, join our Discord. We'd love to hear from you. Have we figured out how to integrate Sizzle profiles with their esports network profiles? We haven't done that yet, but that's a good uh, next step. So, you know, let's talk to, you know, you and Mark and, and get that going. Let's do it, because that would be really cool to be able to come onto the Esports Network homepage and your top right, you're, it's already built around your Sizzle profile. Uh, just again, trying to 
create a unique homepage, a breathing, living homepage that delivers you exactly what you want uh, whenever you visit the site. That's our goal. And hopefully Sizzle helps us get there. We definitely think they will. Oh, BJ, Daniel, thanks so much for joining the show. It was a pleasure talking to you both. Yeah, Thank you so much, Mitch. Thank you so much, Mitch. This was a lot of fun. Really appreciate the opportunity. We're so excited to have Sizzle as a partner. Looking forward to the future.